بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم In the name of Allah the most beneficent the most merciful I testify that there is no true God worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is Allah's true slave and messenger May Allah sallallahu alayhi wa be upon the noble prophet and the believers of his family and the honorable companions and those who follow on their path until the day of resurrection. This is the explanation of Riyadh al-Salihin and this hadith is hadith number 19 and this class is class number 18. وَعَنْ أسأله عن المسح على الخفين فقال ما جاء بك يا زر فقلت ابتغاء العلم زر بن حبيش reported I went to Safwan bin Asal رضي الله تعالى عنه to inquire about wiping with wet hands over light boots while performing wudu he asked me what brings you here زر فقلت I said ابتغاء العلم seeking searching for knowledge فقال إن الملائكة تضع أجنحتها لطالب العلم رضا بما يطلب هي said the angels spread their wings for the seeker of knowledge out of joy and pleasure for what he seeks I told him فقلت إنه قد حك في صدري المسح على الخفين بعد الغائط والبول وكنتم رأ من أصحاب النبي صلى الله وكنت رأ من أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فجئت أسألك هل سمعته يذكر في ذلك شيئا I told him I have some doubts in my mind regarding wiping of wet hands over light boots in the course of performing wudu after defecating or urinating now, since you are one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, I have come to ask you whether you heard any saying of the Prophet ﷺ concerning it. He said, قَالَ نَعَمْ قَالَ نَعَمْ يَأْمُرُنَا إِذَا كُنَّا He replied in the affirmative and said, He ﷺ instructed us that during a journey we need not take off our light boots for washing the feet up to three days and nights except in case of major impurity, sexual defilement janaba lakin min ghaitin wa bawlin wa nawm in other cases such as sleeping, relieving oneself or urinating the wiping of wet hands over light boots will suffice فقلت هل سمعته يذكر في الهوى شيئا Did you hear him saying anything about love and affection? قال نعم He said yes كنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في سفر We accompanied the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم in a journey فبينا نحن عنده إذ ناداه أعرابي بصوت له جوهري يا محمد we accompanied the Messenger وسلم, in a journey when a Bedouin called out in a loud voice, O oh, Muhammad. 
فأجابه رسول الله رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نحوا من صوته ها أم. The Prophet replied him in the same tone here I am. فقلت له ويحك I said to the Bedouin ووت يو أغضب من صوتك lower your voice in his presence فإنك عند النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم because you are not allowed to do so you are with the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام وقد نهيت عن هذا فقال والله لا أغضب he said by Allah I will not lower my voice فقال الأعرابي المرء يحب القوم ولما يلحق بهم the bad one said what about a person who loves people but has not found himself in their company قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المرء مع من أحب يوم القيامة the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم replied on the day of resurrection a person will be in the company of those whom he loves فما زال يحدثنا حتى ذكر بابا من المغرب مسيرة عرضه أو يسير الراكب في عرضه أربعين أو سبعين عاما سفيان one of the narrators or the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم then kept on talking to us and in the course of his talk he mentioned a gateway in the heaven the width of which would be crossed by a rider in forty or seventy years قال سفيان أحد الرواة قبل الشام خلقه الله تعالى يوم خلق السماوات والأرض مفتوحا للتوبة لا يغلق حتى تطلع الشمس منه رواه الترمذي وغيره وقال حديث حسن صحيح سفيان one of the narrators of this tradition said the gateway is in the direction of الشام الشام is the greater Syria area Allah created it on the day he created the heavens and the earth it is open for repentance and remember our topic is about repentance it is open for repentance and will not be shut until the sun rises from that direction from that direction from that meaning from the west on the dooms day this hadith is narrated by a tirmidhi and others and a tirmidhi graded it as hadithun Hasan Sahih, a good and authentic hadith. This explanation, the explanation of the hadith, this hadith is from the Ahadith at Tawbah, is from Ahadith at Tawbah, is from the narrations about at Tawbah, which the author Rahimahullah mentioned in this uh, chapter as to when the Tawbah shall cease and not be accepted. Now, this hadith comprises many benefits. First benefit. Zir bin Hubaysh came to Safwan bin Assal in this hadith as it is narrated seeking knowledge min ajlil ilm yabtaghil ilm in search for knowledge faqala lahu Safwan ibn Assal Safwan told him inna al-malaikata latada'u ajnihataha litalib al-ilm ridan bima yatlub the angels spread and lower their wings out of joy for the one who seeks knowledge and this is a great benefit indicating the merit of ilm and the merit of the seeker of knowledge and what is 
mentioned here about knowledge this refers to the knowledge of the deen the legal knowledge العلم الشرعي علم ما جاء به النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the knowledge brought by the prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام as to علم الدنيا فللدنيا as to the knowledge about the worldly affairs then it is for this world for this life of this world however seeking the knowledge brought forth by the messenger وسلم, is the thing which is commendable and praised and lauded and which is incited by the Quran and the Sunnah to be sought and it is a kind of jihad in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this deen is established by two matters بالعلم والبيان knowledge and explanation and وبالسلاح by the weapon بالسيف the sword even to the extent that some of the scholars had mentioned إن طلب العلم أفضل من الجهاد في سبيل الله بالسلاح that seeking knowledge is better than the jihad with arms in the battlefield why? لأن حفظ الشريعة إنما يكون بالعلم it is because the preservation of the sharia is established by knowledge والجهاد بالسلاح and jihad by weapons in the battlefield في سبيل الله مبني على العلم is based upon knowledge لا يثير المجاهد ولا يقاتل the mujahid does not go out and fight and does not cease from fighting and does not take from the booties and does not rule regarding the captives except by way of knowledge so the ilm is kullu shay and so ilm knowledge is everything and that's why Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Al-Mujadila chapter 58 verse 11 يَرْفَعُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ دَرَجَاتٍ Allah will give ample room for His mercy. And, when, and Allah will exalt in degree those of you who believe and those who have been granted knowledge. And Allah is well acquainted with what you do. And the angels spreading their wings to the seeker of knowledge out of joy and pleasure and respect and magnification for him and this cannot be rejected by simply saying I don't feel this that the angels lower their wings and spread out their wings I, I don't feel that the answer is إِذَا صَحَّ الْخَبَرُ عن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم فإنه كالمشاهد عيانا if the news and reporting from the prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام is authentic then it is as 
being clear manifestation as you see it by your eyes أرأيت قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم don't you contemplate concerning the saying of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ينزل ربنا تبارك وتعالى كل ليلة إلى السماء الدنيا حين يبقى ثلث الليل الآخر فيقول من يدعوني فأستجيب له من يسألني فأعطيه من يستغفرني فأغفر له as in البخاري حديث فوليوم 2 حديث 246 Our Rabb the blessed and the during the last third of the night and says is there anyone who invokes demands anything from me so that I may respond to his invocation is there anyone to ask me is there anyone to invoke me so that I may respond to invocation is there anyone to ask me so that I may grant him his request? Is there anyone uh, seeking my forgiveness so that I may forgive him? We don't hear الكلام, this speech from Allah Azza wa Jal. However, لما صح عن نبينا صلى الله عليه وسلم صار كأننا نسمعه But since it is authentically related from our Prophet it is as such as we hear it and therefore it is incumbent upon us and nu'mina believe بما قال الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم in what the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم says وبما صح عنه من أمور الغيب and in all that which is authentically related from him concerning the matters of the unperceived realities And that وَأَنَّكُونَ مُتَيَقِّنِينَ لَهَا That we take it by certainty كَأَنَّمَا نُشَاهِدُهَا بِأَعْيُنِنَا Just as we see it by our own eyes وَنَسْمَعُهَا بِآذَانِنَا And we hear it by our own ears Then in the hadith Zir bin Hubaysh mentioned to the Safwan bin Assal That some kind of doubt came to him concerning the wiping of wet hands over the light boots in the course of performing the wudu after defecation and after the urination meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran in Surah Al-Ma'idah chapter 5 verse 6 Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu idha qumtum ila salati فاغسلوا وجوهكم وأيديكم إلى المرافق وامسحوا برؤوسكم وأرجلكم إلى الكعبين So he said Now since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this All who you believe When you intend to offer a salah Wash your faces and your hands Your forearms up to the elbows 
Rabb, by passing wet hands over your head and wash your feet up to the ankles. He said then, some kind of doubt came to me. Hesitation and doubt concerning the wiping over the leather boots. After defecation or urination, is this permissible or not? So Safwan, Safwan bin Asal, explained to him that this is permissible. لِأَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ It is because the Prophet ﷺ, as in the hadith, directed them, commanded them, instructed them, that during a journey, they don't need to take off their light boots for washing the feet, except from or due to sexual defilement, major filth or impurity, and this is janabah, but not due to sleep, urination, and wiping of, uh, and, and, and uh, defecation. Meaning for these matters, it is permissible. But with janabah, it is not. So this indicates, therefore, the permissibility of wiping the wet hands over the leather boots. Rather, in al-khuffain, the wiping is better if the person had already put them on in a state of purification. And it is affirmed in the Sahihain, in al-Bukhari and Muslim, from the hadith of al-Mughira bin Shu'ba, as we discussed in Umdat al-Ahkam, that he was with the Prophet ﷺ on a journey, and the Prophet ﷺ made wudu, so Al-Mughira came down to take off his boots, and the Prophet ﷺ said, Da'huma, leave them, fa'inni adkhaltuhuma tahiratayn, because I had put my feet therein, in a state of purity. And he wiped over them, and he wiped over them. So this is a clear proof that the person wearing leather boots or socks, then it is better for him to wipe over them and not wash the feet. And from the benefits, is that when the person encounters a problem, regarding matters of the deen, problems regarding matters of the deen, then it is incumbent upon him to ask and search for those who may be more knowledgeable than him, so that he does not have, does not leave himself with any doubt. And it is as such, this is required because some people fall into this matter. They find unease regarding certain regulations which they don't understand or certain matters. And they stay in a state of hesitation and doubt. They don't ask anyone so as to remove this doubt. And this is clearly a, a mistake. Rather, one should ask so that he becomes certain and removes away any kind of doubt and or hesitation. So here Zir bin Hubaysh, rahimahullah, 
asked Safwan bin Assal radiallahu anhu about wiping over the leather boots and whether he knew anything from the Prophet والسلام, regarding this matter and Safwan told him yes he used to command us and uh, that if we are on a journey that we don't take them off except to wash the feet in case of sexual defilement and therefore this hadith stands as a proof for the affirmation of this permissibility of wiping the wet hands over the hufain, the leather socks and also the socks and the narrations regarding this are consecutive and many and Ahlul Sunnah took by that even some of the people of knowledge included this in chapters in the books of creed why? because the Rafida, the rejectionists opposed in this matter and they did not affirm the wiping and they denied it and it's amazing that from those who narrated the wiping out over the leather boots was Ali bin Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu and these rejectionists claim that they love and follow Ali bin Abi Talib and magnify him yet they deny and they don't take by his wording and his narration and therefore it is now evident that the wiping over the leather boots or socks is from the symbols of Ahl Sunnah who have no doubt about it that this is from the way of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam in fact al-imam ahmad said laysa fi qalbi min al-masih shakkun there is no doubt in my heart regarding the the wiping aw qal or that he said shay'un fihi arba'una hadithan an an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam wa this matter has 40 narrations from the prophet sallallahu and his companions However, the wiping over the leather socks or socks has certain conditions to it. Has certain conditions to it. And we mention those in Umdat al-Ahkam. And they are as follows. Number one, that they, the socks and or the leather boots should be weird or should be put on in a state of purity being in a state of purity because the Mu'ira bin Shu'ba when he intended to take off the boots the Prophet said leave them I put them tahiratain pure and he wiped over them and there is no difference between having this state of purity following the washing of the feet or following a wiping over a previously put leather socks or socks for example if someone makes complete wudu washes the feet 
puts on the socks, then in this case, he puts them on in a state of tahara. Puts them on in a state of tahara, of purity. Similarly, if he had put on the socks before and wiped over them, then he needed to add one more socks and puts on this socks on top of the first one upon which he wiped in this case he can wipe over the second one however the beginning of timing for the wiping starts with the wiping on the first not from the wiping not from the time of wiping on the second this is the correct opinion is this clear? is this clear? the timing begins with the former wiping on the first one not from the wiping on the extra socks he had put on the second condition the purification must be by means of water not based upon purification by tayammum for example a person on a journey having no water so he makes tayammum dry ablution and wears the socks in a state of tayammum purification then afterwards he finds the water and wanted to make wudu in this case he must take off the socks and wipe and washes the feet when making wudu and it is not permissible to wipe over the socks when he makes the wudu because he did not put them on tahara to ghusl he did not put them on in a state of purity by way of washing the feet because tayammum is related to two parts only al-wajhu wal-kaffan the face and the hands not the feet so therefore the second condition the purification must be by way of water not by way of purification by tayammum the third condition the wiping covers states related to the minor impurity like defecation urination 
asleep not janaba sexual defilement it is not permissible to wipe over the socks or the leather boots in the case of janaba rather they should be taken off and the feet washed because the major purification has no wiping except due to necessity like wiping over the cast and that's why لا يمسح فيها الرأس the major impurity the major state of impurity there is no wiping over the head rather there must be a washing of the head when making purification from this major state the third condition or the fourth condition the wiping must comply with the timing assigned by the Prophet والسلام, and this is للمقيم, a day and one night for the person in residence and three days and nights three days with their nights for the traveler as came authentically as it was authentically related from the hadith of Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu in Sayyid Muslim جعل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم assigned the thalathat ayyamin walayalihin three days and their nights for the musafir for the person on a journey wayawman walayla and one day and one night for the resident meaning in time in terms of wiping over the uh, socks or leather boots so if فإذا انتهت المدة فلا مس when the time period is finished or ends then there is no wiping the person must take off the socks or the leather boots then washes the feet however if the timing period ends while the person is in a state of tahara and continues then continue to be on your state of purification then your tahara is not nullified however if you intend to make wudu after the timing period is over then it's inevitable that you wash the feet then in the next part of the hadith Zir bin Hubaysh asked Safwan bin Asal, هل سمع من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول في الهوى شيئا did he hear the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم saying anything about love and affection so he said yes then he mentioned the story of the Bedouin who spoke loudly asking shouting loudly يا محمد O Muhammad, loud voice. So he was told, Wayhak, who to you? Tunadi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bisawtim murtafi'ah. You call upon the Prophet alayhi wa sallam with a loud voice. While Allah azza wa jal says in Surah Al-Hujurat, in chapter 49, verse 2, 
يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي ولا تجهروا له بالقول كجهر بعضكم لبعض أن تحبط أعمالكم وأنتم لا تشعرون Oh, you believe, raise not your voices above the voice of the Prophet ﷺ, nor speak aloud to him in talk as you speak aloud to one another, lest your deeds may be rendered fruitless while you perceive not. However, the Bedouins, they don't know of the etiquettes, and they don't know much about etiquettes, because they are, they live away from uh, civil centers and cities and away from knowledge so the Prophet ﷺ responded with the same voice as the Bedouins did why? because the Prophet ﷺ is the most perfect in terms of guidance giving each person in accordance with what his intellect can relate to and bear so the Prophet ﷺ responded likewise Arabi, the Bedouin said المرأ يحب القوم ولما يلحق بهم المرأ يحب القوم the person may love some people so what about a person then who loves these people but has not found himself in their company meaning his works his deeds are lesser in degree than them would he be still with them however so the prophet ﷺ responded the person on the day of resurrection the person will be in the company of those whom he loves and it is narrated from Anas bin Malik عنه, the same meaning like this hadith as in Sahih al-Bukhari volume 5 hadith number 37 that the messenger وسلم, told a person who loved Allah and his messenger إِنَّكَ مَعَ مَنْ أَحْبَبْتِ You will be with those whom you love. So Anas said, فَأَنَا أُحِبُّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَأَبَا بَكْرِ وَعُمَرْ وَأَرْجُوْ أَنْ أَكُونَ مَعَهُمْ I love رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم and Abu Bakr and Umar وَأَرْجُوْ أَنْ أَكُونَ مَعَهُمْ and I hope I will be in their company. وَهَكَذَا أَيْضًا And similarly we do. نُشْهِدُ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ عَلَى مَحَبَّةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَخُلَفَائِهِ الرَّاشِدِينَ وَصَحَابَتِهِ وَإِمَّةِ الْهُدَى مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ وَنَسْأَلُ اللَّهَ أَنْ يَجْعَلَنَا مَعَهُمْ And similarly, we take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a witness for our love to the Messenger وسلم, and his rightly guided caliphs and his companions and the scholars of guidance afterwards and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be in their company
This is the hadith. A man asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about the hour. Say, when will the hour be? The Prophet ﷺ said, What have you prepared for it? The man said nothing, except that I love Allah and His Messenger. So the Prophet ﷺ said, You will be with those whom you love. We had never been so glad as we were on hearing that saying of the Prophet ﷺ. This Anas said, You will be with those whom you love. Therefore I, meaning Anas, I love the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr, and Umar, and I hope that I will be with them because of my love for them, though my deeds are not similar to these, to theirs. This is a glad tiding. If one loves some people, then he will be in their company, even though the deeds may not be equivalent. He will be with them in paradise, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gathers them together and they will drink from the pond of the Prophet all of them similarly the one who loves the kafirs it may be that he will be with them we seek refuge in Allah from this because loving the kafirs is haram and we are talking about the legal love rather it is one of the major sins and therefore it is incumbent upon the believer to hate the kafir the kuffar, the disbelievers and know that they are enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no matter how they pretend from friendship and love and so forth because they won't in any way incline to you and get closer to you except for a benefit for themselves and for a harm to you and it is remote that they do so for your own benefit if you can combine fire and water, then you may do so and combine the love of the kuffar to us and their enmity to us. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who called them enemies. Qala Allah azza wa jal in Surah Al-Mumtahina, verse 1, chapter 60, verse 1. Ya amanu, la tattakhidhu عدوي وعدوكم أولياء عدوي وعدوكم أولياء عدوي وعدوكم أولياء Oh who you believe take not my enemies and your enemies as friends showing affection wholeheartedly towards them this is forbidden وقال الله عز وجل in Surah Al-Baqarah in chapter 2 verse 98 من كان عدوا لله وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَجِبْرِيلَ وَمِيْكَالِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَدُوٌ لِلْكَافِرِينَ Whoever is an enemy to Allah, his angels, his messengers, Jibreel, Gabriel, and Mikael, then verily Allah is an enemy to the kafirin. And this legal hate of the kufr and the kafirs of the disbelief and the disbelievers this is a legal hate and as we discussed many times this in no way contradicts the kind of jibili love the natural love 
of a Muslim towards a kafir who happens to be a relative this is something natural has nothing to do with the legal love meaning in subscription to the commands to the legal commands so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly states that كل كافر every kafir فإن الله عدو له Allah is an enemy to him وكل كافر فإنه عدو therefore لنا and therefore every kafir is an enemy to us because they don't intend except that which is evil for us and therefore we should have this legal hate of kafirs and their kufr irrespective of their kind and so forth you must the believer must know as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated that they are enemies of the believers Allah ta'ala in surah al-mumtahina as we mentioned earlier ya ayyuhalladhina amanu la tattakhidhu aduwi wa aduwakum awliya oh you believe take not my enemies and your enemies as friends wholehearted friends showing affection and love towards them and this does not prevent the believer from being just and deals justly with the kafirs because we are commanded to do so irrespective of their enmity towards us we are commanded to deal with them justly except those who transgress from them except those who transgress from them and we take from this a great foundation which the Prophet ﷺ had stipulated had laid down and it is that the person will be on the day of resurrection with the one whom he loves so as the Shaykh rahimahullah said in the final words of this explanation فَعَلَيْكَ يَا أَخِي also my brother أن تشد قلبك على محبة الله تعالى ورسوله وخلفائه الراشدين وصحابته الكرام وإمة الهدى من بعدهم لتكون معهم so my brother you should firmly establish your heart on love to Allah and His Messenger and the four rightly guided caliphs and the noble companions and the imams of guidance after them who came after them from the successors and the successors to the successors and the scholars who follow on their path so that you be with them and he ended the explanation of this hadith by saying Nas'alullaha an yuhaqqiq lana dhalika bimannihi wa karamihi wallahu al-muwaffiq we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to manifest this to us by his generosity and his bounty and favor and bestow that upon us and he is the grantor of all success so alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam this brings the end of the explanation of this hadith of uh, uh, the hadith of uh, Safwan bin Asa